I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations in the name of our Lord. Uh, I hope your day is going to be a fabulous one. Welcome to another episode of Coffee, the Bible, and Paige. I'm Paige, your caffeine-induced host. Uh, and the Bible that we're going to be looking at today, well, we're going to be looking at Genesis 41. Can't believe it's been 41 days since it started Genesis already. Um, and this is a good one. This is Joseph in the service of Pharaoh. He's been sold into slavery by his brothers. They went back and told his father, Jacob, or Israel as he's now known, that his highly favored son is dead. So he thinks that Joseph is dead. Joseph was in the employ as a slave servant to Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife had designs on him. And uh, Joseph was thrown into prison because she accused him of trying to rape her. So that's where we're at. He's been in prison now for a time. And uh, let's see where we go. Let's go to our chapter 41. When two full years had passed, since he had interpreted the dreams of the baker and the cupbearer, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile, and when out of the river, there came up seven cows sleek, and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those in the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing up on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today... I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now, a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Now Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, 
no one can interpret it. But I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years. And the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It's one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years. And so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It's just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered, because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. And now, let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. Now, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Holy mackerel, what just happened? Sold into slavery, slave of Potiphar, put into prison. And two years after the, he interpreted the dreams of the baker and the cupbearer, he is now the second most powerful man in Egypt. A couple thoughts. We'll put stop right there for a second. A couple thoughts occurred to me. Up here, when Pharaoh said, my people can't tell me what my dreams mean, can you? He had called his magicians and all his wise men, and they could not tell the Pharaoh what his dreams meant. This is like a foreshadowing of another man of the Hebrews who would confront the Pharaoh 400 some odd years in the future, Moses. Again, the man of God pitted against the magicians of Pharaoh's court, where the man of God wins, and the man of God convinces. 
at least in this case, the Pharaoh is favorably uh, inclined towards Joseph. And the Pharaoh appoints him to be viceroy, I guess would be a good title for him, to be viceroy over the entire nation, only in regards to the throne is Pharaoh more powerful than him. So just like Potiphar let Joseph run his household, basically, Pharaoh is letting Joseph run this part of the Egyptian government. He is the second most powerful man. Hmm. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. As he had him, uh, Then he had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And people shouted before him, make way. Thus, he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I'm Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all of Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zaphnath Paneah and gave him Asenath, daughter Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. So, first of all, Joseph's role in Egypt was like that of Daniel and Babylon. They both accepted pagan names, but they did not embrace pagan religion. Uh, the city of On is called Heliopolis, Heliopolis in Greek. The city was a center for the worship of the sun god Ra. Its high priest was one of the most prominent in ancient Egypt. So by marrying the daughter of this priest, Joseph was moved into nobility. He was a slave, and by marriage, he is now part of the nobility of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Think about this. Joseph had risen from slavery to become the king's second command in a mere 13 years. 13 years from the time he set foot in Egypt, he was the second in command of the entire nation. He was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery. So he was 30 when he becomes the viceroy of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields that surrounded it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, it's because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Now Manasseh, Manasseh sounds like and may be derived from the Hebrew word for forget. He's, he's made me to forget all my trouble. Ephraim sounds like the Hebrew word for twice fruitful. Okay, because he has two sons. Now, he has maintained his connection with God in the midst of all the suffering. It was his relationship with God that led him to not have the affair with Potiphar's wife. It was God's connection and God's favor that surrounded him that led him, that, and God's gifting of this ability to interpret dreams that granted him access to Pharaoh 
and it was in a contest. Uh, you know, I, I, I might be loose in calling it that, but I can't get away from the fact that it's such a parallel thing that happened between Joseph and Pharaoh's magicians and Moses and Pharaoh's magicians. The power of God through Joseph demonstrated and that God was in charge here. Pharaoh could not deny it, and he didn't. He knew that God was with him. Now, that doesn't make the Pharaoh a believer in Yahweh. They had many, many gods. I'm sure in their mind, the God that, the God that Joseph served was powerful and mighty and expressed himself through Joseph. He recognized that. Um, the seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end. And the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. And Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph, do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. All right, so there's a lot of parallels here. Um, the temporal salvation from starvation of the known world depended on one descendant of the patriarchs, Joseph. In mediating this blessing, Joseph prefigures the work of Christ. If you want salvation, go to Joseph. You want to, you want to be saved from starving, go to Joseph. And that's kind of a picture of what's happening with Christ. Now, compare him to Noah. The temporal salvation of all mankind depended on one man, Noah. Hmm. And you think about Isaac. Through Isaac, the descendants of Isaac, which would eventually include Messiah, and which included Joseph, the future of salvation depended on one man, Isaac. And his father Abraham was told to offer him up in sacrifice. Of course, God stopped it. But can you get a, a glimpse of how, how slender the scarlet thread that stretches from Adam to Messiah is? At different points in the timeline, it comes down to one man that would keep the scarlet thread intact, Noah, Isaac, Jacob, and now Joseph. Whew. You know, when I was finishing up my studies on the New, in the New Testament, especially the book of Acts, my thoughts on the church was, oh my gosh, we are how, what a messed up group of people in so many ways. The first century church was a delicate, fragile thing. Paul, the primary apostle among the Gentiles, the one who was primarily responsible for establishing the churches that pushed the gospel into the Gentile world, um, it was a fragile thing. I look back at after studying the book of Acts, I'm thinking we are so fortunate that God's grace and power preserved 
the gospel so that I could hear it in the 20, 20th century in 1975. How amazing is it that that happened? The scarlet thread that goes from Adam to Jesus, you take a look at it from the outside, it seems to be such a fragile thing. It seems like it always comes down to one man and only one man can keep it moving forward. Noah, Isaac, Joseph. Whew. And Joseph sold into slavery, becomes the most powerful, second most powerful man in Egypt. And he is going to be the salvation of the patriarchs of the 12 tribes of Israel. It's going to be amazing. All right, well, that about wraps it up for today. Oh, one last thought. Um, Joseph was 17, sold into slavery, 30 years old when he became the second most powerful man in Egypt. That's 13 years. Two years after he interpreted the dream successfully, the baker and the, and the uh, uh, cupbearer, he, it must have seemed like an eternity to him because he must have thought he was on the cusp of getting set free. But, you know, here's the deal. Many times God gives a promise. And the fulfillment of that promise isn't until decades later sometimes. He had the dreams about what the situation was going to be between his brothers and himself when he was a young teenager. And it was going to be decades before that ever happened. Before that ever came true. David was anointed king of Israel as a very young man by Samuel the prophet. And it was decades before he became king of Israel. Noah was told the world was going to be destroyed, and it was over 100 years before that event actually happened. So when God promises something, it doesn't always mean it's going to happen right now. God promised me ministry. I didn't realize what my ministry was until almost 20 years after the fact. God is not the slave to time that we are. It's a grand and glorious thing when God grants us, gives us a promise. Hang on to that promise. Time means nothing to God. If it's the promises, if that what you heard and sensed from God is truly from God, it will happen. But it might not happen right away. God is faithful. So that's one of the other, that's one of the big things I'm taking away from this. He was, in, he was a slave for, for what, 13 years before he was released from his bondage. So anyway, just something to think about. Uh, that's it for today. I'm Paige. Here's my coffee. Have a grand and glorious day. Bye-bye. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither should my thoughts be your thoughts. You need to think for yourself.